Welcome again to Grace. If you're new, uh, this is a really special Sunday um, that we are celebrating God's work in the world and around the world. Uh, we're going to be hearing from our missionaries um, in an interview um, just after this. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to that as much as anyone. To catch you up, if you're new again, um, we've been for several months sort of looking at um, exploring uh, what God says about the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. Um, and in essence, we've been looking at what uh, the Spirit does for us uh, in applying the gospel to us um, and our justification, so being made right with God. We've looked at several places uh, that talks about his work for us. We've also looked at his work in us, what he does in us, the Spirit makes us more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is, becoming more like Christ so that we would do the things that Jesus did. And today we're going to look at the Spirit's work through us. That's what missions is all about. The Holy Spirit working through ordinary people to do amazing things in the world, to share His amazing grace uh, with a needy world. And so we're going to be focusing in on that today. Um, and maybe there's no more important passage uh, that speaks about the Spirit's work through us than Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28. And I want to explore just two simple things, the fuel for the great commission and the focus of the great commission, the fuel for it and the focus of it. With that said, I wonder if you might stand uh, for the reading of God's word from Matthew <clears throat> chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples <clears throat> went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. For lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And may your great commission, may we live that out together as a church, as a church family, and as individual followers of Jesus for your glory and through your power and presence, Jesus' name, amen. All right, show of hands, be honest, all right? Have you ever run out of gas? Yes! I'm not alone. I've always, I've always been ashamed of that. Um, I shouldn't be, though, apparently. Um, my, my brother was here uh, just a few months ago. We were exploring the Blue Ridge Parkway. We were up there, black balsam. It was so fun. His family, my, my older brother, my younger brother, and my younger brother, we get up to black balsam, and he's like, guys, I'm out of gas, or I'm this close. He's like, I, I might have a mile left in the tank. I'm like, brother, how did you not notice on the steepest hill in America that you're out, almost out of gas? And he's like, I don't know, man. I was just, you know, I was distracted, you know? I said, apparently... And what we did is we were like, okay, we went on our hike, and then we, we turned the car around, and I said, all right, brother, it's downhill all the way to Brevard. <laughs> so just 
He just put it in neutral and just coasted literally the entire way to Brevard, and he made it. It was a miracle. Yeah, a miracle. Uh, Like any other journey, we need fuel uh, for the Great Commission, for what he has called us to do, to go and to make disciples of all nations. And I think many of us, if we're honest, are running on fumes. And some of us uh, who follow Jesus, um, our eyes start to glaze over when you hear uh, a sermon on the Great Commission because you're like, life seems too impossible already. And so for Jesus to order me to go and make disciples just feels impossible for me. I want you to stay with me just for a few minutes here. I want you to notice that Jesus' commission does not begin with orders, nor does it end with to-dos. There's actually a whole world in the sentence prior to any of Jesus' words in Matthew, this part of Matthew 28. Verse 17, look at that. It says that some worshipped and some doubted when they saw him. Now, context of this part of Matthew 28, Jesus has just resurrected from the dead. He spent a few weeks making appearances to his disciples. Then he goes up on the mountain. And right before he says his great commission and is ascended, some worship and some doubt. If you're a follower of Jesus who is also honest, you too oscillate between worshiping the risen Jesus and doubting that he's really there. We get depleted very easily for the Great Commission. How? By sin in our own lives, brokenness in the world, darkness. We're feeling some of that today as a church. And by the enemy who wants anything but for us to build the kingdom of Jesus and instead to build our own little kingdoms. So we get depleted and we can run on fumes. And for, for many of us, we can even just give up the journey altogether with the Spirit. And not only that, I've said this before, but we are in a, a moment as an American culture of massive spiritual decline. Uh, experts um, say that in the last 20 years, some 40 million Americans have stopped going to church altogether. Think about that. And that can cause some doubt too. We look around and say, Jesus, where are you? The church is shrinking. And that can deplete us. However, today is a reminder that there's something bigger going on than just in the church in America, than just in our own circumstances, our own church, our own lives. There's something massive that God is doing around the world. Uh, There's a continued shift of global Christianity to what is called the global south. I have a little um, diagram here to show you, a little graphic. It shows you that in 18, or sorry, in 1900, the year 1900, only 18% of Christians worldwide lived in what is called the global south. That's imaginary line below America all the way across, if you could draw an imaginary line there. That way, south of that, only 18% of Christians lived in that part of the world in 1900. But today, it's more than two-thirds of the world's Followers of Jesus live in that part of the world, the global south. And by 2050, experts anticipate 
that almost three-fourths, over three-fourths of the Christians in the world will be in the global south. And so, yes, the church in America is shrinking, but that's not the only story that matters. And I've said this before, the global church is something like a pilot light when our affections for Jesus in America have gone tepid, have gone cold, have gone ice cold for some of us. The global church can be like a pilot light that ignites the flame again in our lives to know and follow hard after Jesus through the power of the Spirit. And we can look to our faithful brothers and sisters in Uganda, in Chile, in China, in Honduras, and similar places to reignite the flame. Uh, Chip Jones is one of our missionaries that we support here at Grace. And I want you to, to listen in to this brief video and see what he says about what God is doing there. Muy buenos dias. My name is Chip Jones. My family and I have been serving in Chile, South America since 2010. And many are the times when our hearts have cried out, what are we doing here? We are overwhelmed with the fact that we have so little to bring to the table. For example, I'm not a pastor, elder, or deacon. What can I possibly offer? That desperation causes us to depend on the Holy Spirit, for Him to lead us to those who are in need. Whether it is working with our hands to fix a collapsing roof, or to disciple a hungry soul in the gospel in a pub somewhere, or to walk alongside of beat up and weary ministry leaders, over the years He has heard us and has responded in many creative ways. Having said that, we have to ask you for your prayers because there is so much work left to be done. On one hand, we are surrounded by those preaching a type of Christian religious morality driven by duty, and it is emptying the churches. It has also generated a massive pessimism in society against Christ. Yet when we have shared the wonders of our Savior and His gospel, it brings life to people, and they're drawn to it. So at this time, it seems we are outnumbered, and worse yet, as of now, there are precious few young people in the pipeline to take this message to the next generation. This is a massive problem, way bigger than we could ever dream of correcting. So once again, we need the Holy Spirit to show up. So could you pray? Pray that he would send us more and more labors to teach this and other Latin American nations who Jesus really is. Chip said that he often feels outmatched by what he's facing in Chile, and that causes him to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And this is how it's always worked in the church for pursuing the Great Commission. Simon Ponsonby wrote this, those early Christians had no degrees from the best universities, they have been on no MBA management courses, gone through no psychological Myers-Briggs compatibility profiles. They had no financial investment portfolios, but they had a revelation of God, a revelation of their inheritance in Christ and Holy Spirit power from on high. And with this, God took 120 people and shook the world. And we, friends, we in Mills River are the result of what the Spirit did to shake the world 2,000 years ago. We are the result of those Christians, generation by generation, obeying and heeding the Great Commission to go into to the nations and to share the good news of Jesus. We are literally sitting here because of the Holy Spirit's work in Christians throughout the ages. Isn't that amazing? 
Sometimes I forget that. This is the, we are the result of what the Spirit has been doing in the world for 2,000 years. People, normal people, who are filled with the presence of the resurrected Christ. Verse 20, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The enduring presence of the one who conquered death, who has all authority in the universe, lives in us. He is our fuel, his presence. And if we are to see an awakening again in this country, if we are to see the great commission fulfilled in our lifetime, we have to become people of his presence, people of the spirit, people who are enamored with Jesus and can't help but share them with anyone who will listen. In word, yes, and indeed. The world needs Christ. And Jesus, our King, desires to fuel us with his presence to make his focus our own. And that's my final point, the focus of the Great Commission. We know this, if you don't fill up a car, it won't do the things it was built to do. Nick learned that, my brother, almost learned that the hard way, right? If we are not filled with the Spirit, we will not do the things that we were saved to do. John Mark Comer says this, there's a really simple idea that honestly a ton of people, particularly in the West, miss. If you're an apprentice of Jesus, your end goal is to grow and mature, not overnight, but over time, and the kind of person who can carry on the work of Jesus. And what is that work that we, all, we often miss here? Uh, Jesus says, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, for lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And there's one main verb in the Great Commission, which is to make disciples. You may have heard this, that the, the participles, like go and make disciples, or sorry, and teach and, and, and train and, and all of those and baptize, those are all modifying the verb, which is to make disciples. And for the longest time, I thought Jesus was saying, as you are going about your business, wherever you live, make disciples. That was what I was taught. And maybe you were too. In other words, the, the part where he says go is not an imperative. The only imperative is to make disciples. And so we don't have to go to the nations, just make disciples where we are. But as I was doing some digging this week, I realized that in Matthew 9.13, Jesus tells the Pharisees, go, same participle, and learn what this means. Learn being the imperative verb that it's modifying. Go is modifying. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Now, the imperative verb, again, is to learn in this passage. Jesus clearly does not, though, intend the disciples to learn this as they're going about their pharisaical ways, their pharisaical duties. He's saying, go now and learn what Hosea 6.6 means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Here's my point. The participle translated go in the Great Commission functions as an imperative, a command as well. Jesus is expressing with intense urgency his command to go now and to make disciples of all nations. And of course, let me say this, of course we do need to make disciples here in our midst. We do. But he's also called us to go to the nations and to make disciples around the world. 
My friend, I'm going to call John for security reasons. Pastor John, he is a church planner in mainland China. And he went to seminary uh, where I did, and he planted a Chinese-speaking church at my last church in Boston. Uh, And then he felt the call back to mainland China to plant an underground church there in mainland China. And I asked him recently, how might he encourage us Christians in America? And what do you have to say about the Great Commission? What, What do we need to hear? What do we need to learn? And I wrote down a few things he said. He says, after the persecution, when the government seized our bank account and threatened us in various ways, we grew to four sites and even more attendance. God is faithful, having us experience the path of early churches, the path of persecution. I think the global mission mindset helps us understand the power of the gospel more fully. We have a Chinese pastor from the U.S. who visited us last Sunday. It was a working day. Yes, our government made some Sundays a working day during the year. Even the public school has class, and we change locations monthly. Still, 100-plus people took a day off from work and showed up in the church. And he asked me, how did you do that? How did you get them to show up on a work day? And I said, it's my privilege to have a front-row seat. It's our privilege to have a front-row seat to experience the power of the gospel. And this is what I think and I pray that we are waking up to as Christians in America. The presence of Jesus, not programs. Programs are great as long as they facilitate the presence of Jesus in our midst. Holiness, not hype. Hype never changed your life fully, but holiness through the Spirit will. Conformity to to Jesus and not comfort Asbury was just the tip of the iceberg, I believe. And that's what I'm praying about, and I think many of us in this room are praying for, which is a global revival, a global outpouring of the Spirit, that the name of Jesus would go forth to more and more people in Hendersonville, Mills River, Asheville, and to the ends of the world. The same gospel that we hear every week goes viral in, in cities and neighborhoods and homes and lives with responsive hearts. Do we have a responsive heart to the gospel? Many of you have heard hundreds if not thousands of times. I have. I grew up in church. Some of you did too. I've heard it literally thousands of times. But do I have a responsive heart like our brother John, like our missionaries who are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, even though it's uncomfortable, to say the least. I want to give you one practical application. Now, not all of us are called to go to the nations. For, for many of you, that's not even physically possible. So I'm not saying that all of us must sign up to go to the nations. But all of us, John Piper said this, that we are either radical goers or we're radical senders of missionaries. Think about that. Because of the gospel, we are either radical goers or senders of missionaries. And the Great Commission is to his church and not just to us as individuals. So remember that. It's to us. Go, you, plural, and make disciples. So we, as a local church, we are called to obey the the Great Commission together, not just on our own. Some of you are called to go literally to another country. Pray about that. But most of us aren't. 
We are called, all of us, to make disciples wherever we are. But some of you are called to go, but all of us are called to participate. So how can we do that? How can we respond to the one who has lavishly poured out his love on us in Jesus? And here's what I want to say before I end. Many of you already are. Many of you are already giving so generously to the work of God, to his mission, to the world. These missionaries literally couldn't do what they've been called to do without your support. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And for others, what might it look like if you aren't supporting yet? What might it look like to turn up the dial just one degree? To pray, to give, to go where you're called, and to share boldly the gospel with your neighbors wherever God has called you. Because we to have a front seat to the power of the gospel here. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your presence, that through the Spirit, you never leave us or forsake us, and you give us the power to share your gospel because of the resurrection. And I pray for every heart that we would listen to you and that we would respond to the love that you have so lavishly poured out on us to love you in word and deed, wherever you call us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so excited that we get to now hear from several of our missionaries uh, that we support here at Grace. Um, and Shelly is going to be moderating for us, Shelly Bachwald. So I'm going to turn it over uh, to these folks now. Let's listen. it again. Good morning. My name is Shelley Buckwald, and my husband and I have been members of Grace for about a year now. And this morning, I have the privilege to represent the global mission team here at Grace in facilitating a conversation with our special guests on stage. Um, so let me start by introducing you. Um, you'll notice we're sitting in the same order as the pictures on the screen. Um, so, first we have Scott Rail. Scott is a Grace missionary who ministered with Wycliffe Bible Translators in Nigeria prior to his current assignment by Wycliffe, serving with Story Weavers Global. Welcome. <laughs> Next we have Joe Ferris. Joe previously served on the Grace Global Mission Team, and he now serves on the board of Life 107, an organization that helps to rescue people from human trafficking. So welcome, Joe. And Watha, good morning. We have Watha Kohlmeyer with us this morning. Watha is the founder of Knickers for New Life, which provides health and hygiene products to help keep girls in Uganda in school so they can have a better future. 
And next to Watha, we have Jim Pierce. Jim founded Honduras Fountain of Life, which supports a ministry in Honduras called Fuente de Vida, so that Hondurans are equipped for the spiritual leadership and community ministries that God has called them to. Welcome, Jim. Next to Jim this morning, we have Yobani Alas. And Yobani is a grace missionary who has hosted many of our short-term missions teams in Honduras. He leads the Fuente de Vida ministry in Honduras, and he also leads a network of 70 village pastors. Bienvenido. Um, and as you'll see on the screen, Colin Thornley can't be with us this morning. Let's remember him in our prayers as he is with his mother. Um, and next to me, Ed Beach will be providing uh, interpretation between Spanish and English for us this morning. So we want to pick up on Andrew's sermon by hearing from our missionaries about their experiences with the Holy Spirit, calling them into God's kingdom mission and how he fuels them day by day to continue living out God's grace in their context. So we'll start with Scott. Um, Scott, Nigeria has been a spiritual battlefield with a lot of persecution. How did you sense the Holy Spirit calling you to work in the ethno-arts scripture engagement team there? Um, well, that's kind of a long answer, but I'll give you a uh, a short version of it. Um, I had felt for many years bef before I joined Wycliffe, uh, I had a draw towards working with ethno-art scripture engagement, uh, using local art forms to help people understand the gospel better and God's word. And But as far as Nigeria, that really wasn't on my radar screen when I first joined Wycliffe. I didn't really know where I was going to go, but um, I first started looking, well, first of all, I'll say that the short answer is that God closed every door uh, except for Nigeria, and that's how I knew that's where he wanted me to go. And so that's a real convenient way to know things sometimes when God does that. But I started, I started looking in other parts of the world first. I was looking at possibilities in Asia, and nothing worked out. I looked uh, for possibilities in Papua New Guinea, which is north of Australia, and nothing worked out there. And then they told me, well, look in Africa. So I started looking at some of the options there, and... Um, some of the countries, they wanted a, an ethno-arts person who was a specialist in music, which I am not. So that took some more off the list. And then finally, I started looking at Nigeria. And, and they, one of the major languages there is English. And I thought, oh, great. I, I'm terrible at learning languages, so that would probably be helpful. And they also had a lot of really awesome visual arts. And so I was thinking, yeah, that might be a great place. And then at that particular time is when the terrorist group Boko Haram kidnapped 200 schoolgirls and started holding them hostage. And I had no idea that there was even any terrorism going on in Nigeria. And so my immediate reaction was, no way, I'm not going to go somewhere like that. So I took that off the table. And finally, I just decided, well, I'll go to Niger Republic, which is Nigeria's neighbor to the north, because I hadn't heard any bad news from, from there. 
And they weren't requiring somebody who was an expert in music to go. So I, I, so for two years almost, I was raising a, a monthly budget to go there as well as raising funds to go study in Dallas for a couple of semesters and in France because you have to learn French, uh, which I was terrified about. So um, anyway, about two months before that period was over, I, I, I got the impression that the situation in Nigeria had kind of cooled off a bit. And so I asked Wycliffe if I could reconsider going there. And so they checked with the office in Nigeria and they said, yeah, that would be fine. And within two months and two weeks, everything financially fell into place and I was set to go to Nigeria. So God just worked it all out there uh, in the blink of an eye. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, my next question is for you, Joe. Um, your journey from being a home inspector to ministering to victims of human trafficking is a God thing, to say the least. Um, how would you describe the particular work that the Holy Spirit did in your heart and mind to lead you into that calling? Well, it certainly was a God thing. Um, if you knew me before I was a Christian, you, uh, you probably would have said I was egocentric and uh, self-centered because I, was, I, I definitely didn't volunteer for anything and I didn't give to charities. So the fact that now I'm in human trafficking is definitely a testament that the Holy Spirit is in my life. Um, so, you know, because before that time, I probably would have, would have said that's somebody else's problem. But if, you, if some of you know me and you know that I traveled to Central America and I have been for about 15 years and I originally started going down there because I was a builder and I would build, say, you know, building safe, safe shelter for people, that's important to me because that's so crucial for people's well-being. So I would go down and repair homes, build homes, also work on ch churches. And for the last 10 years, I've been working in northern Panama and in the mountains of northern Panama. I've been drawn there. And so and there's an there's a organization that I help there that's called Manos de Fe, and they have actually turned into an organization that now um, has a restorative care house or safe house for um, girls who are coming out of abusive relationships or human trafficking. And I feel like kind of God put that in my path at, at the same time. Um, but over time, as I was building down there and became really close with the people, and I have relationships down there now, um, I started noticing there was a big gender gap in that area, and gender-based violence is very prevalent, and it's very patriarchal, so women and children don't have a lot of rights. And so I would be working on these homes and building relationships, and, and it, was un it became undeniable that I was seeing this gender gap, and I was seeing this abuse. I was seeing it Mona's de Fe, and I felt like God was saying to me, Joe, I understand you can build, and I think you, you think that's your gift, but uh, what's going on inside these homes, the broken homes that you're working on on the outside, the tangible homes? There's stuff going on on the inside, too, um, that, you know, I felt like God was calling me into and just kind of repairing the household as well. And so at the same time, I was um, introduced to a master's degree program at Wheaton College, and it's titled um, Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership. And so I really felt a calling to go into that program. So for two years, I was in that program. And I, um, during that program, we were studying disaster management, disaster assistance, humanitarian uh, assistance. And so and no matter what sector we studied, we always had to tackle human trafficking. For example, if you had to mitigate uh, an earthquake that just leveled an impoverished community, well, you had, your game plan had to also protect those people from traffickers because somebody who's been in a disaster situation, a survivor of a disaster, they're highly vulnerable to traffickers. So we had to also have that in our mitigation plan. So during that time, I, just, I started noticing the big need, the growing need, that and Panama in my heart and all that. I felt like God was kind of calling me to trafficking. So 
that program required an internship at the very end, and I knew by the time I got to that program, I didn't know this before, that my internship was going to have to be with an anti-human trafficking organization. And I knew about the Life of 107 because they came and talked to our church here at Grace a couple years ago. So I reached out to them, and thankfully they accepted me. I spent my internship with them, and now I'm on the board. I've been there for a year and a half. Wonderful. Thank you. Watha, the Lord has used you to create a whole new ministry that has changed so many lives in Uganda. Um, help us understand how the Holy Spirit led you to get into this ministry, which has borne such beautiful fruit. Um, yeah, it has. So it was interesting to reflect on this. In 2000, I took my first trip to Africa, and I arrived, and my luggage arrived four days later. So the people that I was meeting, that's particularly the women I was meeting, I was meeting with genocide widows. And um, we had a lot in common because the only thing they had was the clothes on their back. And that's all I had too. And all of us smelled absolutely awful. But I think that it's very clear to me that the Lord, the Holy Spirit used that to help me begin to understand the challenges of deep poverty. And um, I went there thinking I was going to learn certain things. That's not what I learned at all. But uh, I learned that I felt more at home there than I'd ever felt anywhere in my life, that there was just a peace and a unity there, even though we didn't all speak the same language, that could only be from the Holy Spirit. So that was the only answer I had. When I came home, I couldn't shut up about it. Those of you who know me, that won't surprise you. Uh, but in 2016, on a different trip, uh, my husband and I went to Uganda for the first time. And I went there thinking again, oh, I, I think I know what this trip will be about. And I was wrong. So everywhere I went on that trip, on the radio, on TV, newspapers, even conversations, people were talking about the girl child in Uganda and how few of them got any education and um, that wasn't my thing. I wasn't looking for that, but it was everywhere. And as I checked into it more and more, I understood the, the depth of the problem. Less than 38% of girls finish grade school in Uganda. So their opportunity in life is extremely limited. Trafficking is a big uh, uh, problem there, as well as just child marriage. And uh, nothing good comes to a girl when she drops out of school early. So I came home determined to do something, having no idea what that would look like. But anyway, took one step, did a fundraiser at our house, did another step, did another step. And so Nickers was born through that. Thank you. Jim, when you started out as a young pastor, establishing and leading a ministry such as Honduras Fountain of Life probably wasn't anywhere on your radar. Um, what have you learned over the years, seeing how the Holy Spirit has led you from where you started to where you are now? Well, first of all, I give the glory to Jesus. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, those of you that know me well, uh, you know I'm a prankster, and uh, they call me whimsy. I embarrass my wife quite often. Uh, we have one child, but people ask her, how many children do you have? She says, two. Um, <laughs> but seriously, uh, I 
anything that's good that's happened in my life, I've either tripped over or fallen backward into. And that's just the spirit of Jesus because it wasn't me. 30 years ago, I had the privilege to meet Pastor Giovanni uh, when he came to Hendersonville and we started a relationship. Uh, I started taking teams overseas in 1982 because a guy was doing a work in my own heart and somebody pointed out that more is accomplished in a week of mission trip than a year of Sunday school. And that's nothing against Sunday school, but when we get out of our own comfort zone, like Andrew reminded us, as we get out of our own country uh, comfort zone, God does new works. And so we started going to Honduras, and instead of just bopping around the globe like I'd done before, we said, Giovanni, would you have us to come back? And he thought, okay. And uh, <laughs> for 20 years we've been going, taking teams, and I just, I tell people I'm like a kid in a candy shop uh, with the free reign to do whatever you want uh, in that candy shop because I just get the privilege of seeing Jesus touch team members, touch my own heart, touch our family, touch our friends in Honduras. And so it's just the Holy Spirit that's put the pieces together. I really have very little to do with it. It's the Holy Spirit who has guided uh, our relationships, who's given us a very healthy board of directors. There are 15 of us on a board and they hold my nose to the grindstone that we do things that's uh, God's work, done God's ways, will never lack God's resources. Uh, one of the greatest blessings for me personally is that God has allowed me to have a strong friendship with Giovanni. Uh, we've gotten together over 60 times on trips, and he and I have taken personal retreats 13 or 14 times together. We're learning to love each other. We're learning to put up with each other. And realize that we just come from different cultures, but we have the same Jesus. And so I'm honored to be able to work with him. Thank you, Jim. And Brother Yobani, um, thinking back to when you were a young man, you probably never imagined the diversity of ministries to which the Lord has led you. Um, what would you say are the primary ways that God has made clear to you what he has called you to? Buenos días. Good morning. Es un honor estar aquí. It's an honor to be here. Y gracias por darnos la oportunidad. Thank you for the opportunity de compartir con hombres y mujeres to share with men and women que están haciendo la obra misionera. that are doing the work of missions. La gloria y la honra del Señor. The glory and honor is for the Lord. Y creemos que Él es el que nos guía a toda verdad. Uh, nos guía a toda verdad. Yeah, and He guides us in all truth. Hace 40 años, uh, uh, 40 years ago, el Señor nos llamó. the Lord called us y estamos seguros and we are sure no fue un humano, sino de Dios. that it was not a human calling, but la, from God. La razón uno, the number one reason es boca y el 
When we open our mouths and speak the gospel, el Señor respalda lo que decimos. The Lord backs up what we say. Con señales y milagros. With uh, signs and wonders. Y esto toca el corazón de la gente. And this touches the hearts of the people. Y cuando le servimos al Señor con un corazón humilde. When we serve the Lord with a humble heart. Porque somos servidores del Señor. Because we are servants of the Lord. Colaboradores del Señor. We are collaborators in God's Parte mission. de la gran comisión. We are part of the great y la responsabilidad que Dios nos ha dado a todos los cristianos a todos los creyentes en el mundo. Brother Yobani, I have one more question for you. Yes. Yes, yes. We know you're a visionary with a great heart for the people of Taula Bay, Honduras. But what has but that has the potential for burnout because the needs are so great. What has the Holy Spirit done in your life to enable you to keep moving forward year after year in the face of such big challenges? Cuando Cristo Jesús estaba en la tierra, when Jesus Christ was on the earth, le dijo a los discípulos que se fueran al monte alto. He told his disciples to go to the high mountain. Y que no se movieran hasta que recibieran el poder del Espíritu Santo. And that they should not leave there until they had received the power of the Holy Spirit. Antes de recibir el Espíritu Santo. Before receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Ellos tenían miedo. They were afraid. Ellos se escondieron cuando arrestaron a Jesús. They hid themselves after Jesus. Pero Jesús les hizo una promesa. But Jesus gave them a promise. Y él les dijo, yo me voy. He said, "I'm going." Pero les enviaré un consolador. But I'm going to send the comforter. Él estará con ustedes todos los días. He will be with you all days. Y en Hechos 1:8, and in Acts 1:8, él dijo, "Recibiréis poder." He said, "You will receive power." Cuando haya venido sobre vosotros el Espíritu Santo, the Holy Spirit will come over you. Y me seréis testigos. And you will be my witnesses. Yo creo que en las misiones. I think in missions, Sin la ayuda del Santo, without the help of the Holy no Spirit, we wouldn't be able to go ahead. Santo es guía. Because the Holy Spirit is our guide. Ha sido he is our companion. Nuestro amigo. He is our friend. Y el que nos inspira and he inspires a hacer us la obra del Señor. to do the work of God. Sin el Espíritu Santo, no llegamos a ningún lugar. Without the Holy Spirit, we couldn't go any place. Amen. Thank you. Jim, um, straddling the U.S. and the Honduras side of a ministry has required you to face many things that were probably unexpected and challenging. Um, and now, this past year, you've also had to face cancer. Um, what are some key ways in which the Holy Spirit has strengthened you for all of this? Uh, quite honestly, I'd say it was um, His Spirit um, whispering in my heart, uh, trying to learn to listen more. I think a lot of times I miss God's voice because I'm too busy and I'm telling Him what to do. And so I'm trying to slow down and listen to the Spirit. Uh, that would be number one. Number two, I would say you the body of Christ. God has put around me not only a loving wife and daughter, but many people in here who care enough to look me in the eyes and say, how are you really doing? They don't want to just play church games. They want to be involved. And I count that an extreme honor and privilege. Uh, 
been a part of a men's group here for 21 years, and those men, um, they look me in the eye and they say, how are you really doing? And they hug me and they hold on. And we're not perfect, we're a bunch of ragamuffins, but it's the body of Christ that uh, has supported me uh, so well. And uh, I think also the Holy Spirit, it's very timely that we're talking about the Great Commission, that the Holy Spirit, since I was diagnosed with cancer and at that time was given two to five months to live, that was a year and a half ago, God has given me uh, much more of a focus, uh, purposeful, the Great Commission, and that is loving the people that God has put around me, but also not just sitting there, but looking to uh, how God wants to use me to come alongside, because it's not me, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, to come alongside to care for other men, because men's ministry is one of the main things God's put in my heart, and then the privilege to be able to take teams to Honduras and see the spark of the Spirit strike a match in the hearts of young people as young as four and as old as 80. So uh, it's the Holy Spirit. And that's not just because we're going through this ser series and Andrew said, say spirit. Uh, no, it's really the Holy Spirit that's been doing that in my own heart. It's the personal relationships with people like Giovanni and others. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He wants to say something. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 100%. And, um, <laughs> Yo quiero agradecerle a la Iglesia de Grace. I, I want to thank everybody here at Grace. Al Comité de Misiones. The Missions Committee. Al Pastor Pierce. Uh, Pastor Jim Pierce. Su esposa y la organización Honduras Fuente de Vida. His wife and the Honduras Fountain of Life. Porque sin la ayuda de Dios. But because without God's del help. Espíritu Santo. And the Holy Spirit. Y de hermanos en Cristo. And the brethren in Christ. No podemos hacer la obra. We wouldn't be able to do that. Y Dios ha impactado a la nación de Honduras. And God has impacted the nation of Honduras. A través de los grupos misioneros. Through that group of missionaries. Que han ido a Honduras. Coming to Honduras. Y por eso yo quiero animarlos a ustedes. And I, that's why I want to encourage all of you. Somos la iglesia de Cristo. We are the church of Christ. Y estamos llamados a expander el reino de Dios en la tierra. We are called to expand his work, to grow his work on De nuevo, gracias a los grupos misioneros. So thank you for the, to the group of missionaries que van a Honduras a hacer la obra de that misiones. come to Honduras to work A enseñarnos a nosotros también. To teach us also. Gracias. Yeah, thank you y mil much. disculpas. <laughs> Apologies. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Wata, um, it's quite honestly incredible the extent of what the Lord has enabled you to accomplish through Knickers for New Life. Help us to understand how the Holy Spirit has fueled you through the years to do all that you've done. Well, from the beginning, I have always felt that Knickers was God's idea, not my idea, because it was. So, um, but from the very beginning, uh, you here at Grace Mills River have been supportive, encouraging, helpful. A number of you have volunteered. A number of you have interceded for um, the, the teaching leaders at each of our six partner schools and the 3,200 students that are part of Knickers for New Lives programs and for me, and I appreciate that. And the reason you've done that is because the Holy Spirit prompted you to do it, and you did it. So thank you. I hope he keeps prompting you a lot. And uh, because all of us who do any kind of ministry... 
There's, there's nothing that's going to mean anything or accomplish anything whatsoever unless the Lord uh, leads that effort and empowers that effort. So thank you. I want to say thank you very, very much. Thank you, Alpha. I have one more quick question each for Joe and for Scott. Um, Joe, you are a husband, a father, a home inspector, and now you're helping rescue people who have been caught up in one of the greatest tragedies of our day. How does the Holy Spirit fuel you to be his servant in all of those things? Well, you know, uh, I once read somewhere one time that the Holy Spirit kind of acts like a flashlight in a dark room, and, but he only shines the light on your feet, so you only see one step at a time. And that's kind of how God works, right, where he wants us to, to follow him in faith, not by sight. And one of the most uh, important lessons I learned about the Holy Spirit was that he can only use a, a, a moving boat. He wants us to get in the boat and start rowing, and then he'll guide the ship. But we have to, we have to be obedient to him. And so in the last few years, I've tried to do that, just jump in whatever boat, and he'll shut the door or he'll, he'll guide the boat. Um, but you, I definitely see that in my life. And looking back on my life, I now see what God was doing. I didn't see it then, but now I see it. Um, being a home inspector, uh, and when I inspect people's homes, um, it's about safety, and I'm always concerned about people's safety, and I want them to, when they move into the home or whatever home they're living in, I want to know when I leave there that I protected them, and there's not carbon monoxide poisoning, or there's not an electrical default that's going to hurt them, and I'm always thinking about children in the back of my mind, and uh, that the house is safe for a young child, and I think that goes along with being a dad and being a husband. I've always wanted to protect my children and make sure they're safe, so if you think about that, that ties into human trafficking, because human trafficking harms children, and it leaves them... Um, exploited and and I you know and so but what the Holy Spirit's done for me is to, to say Joe I want you to think about these children in the world who are trapped in human trafficking put your face your children's faces on their faces and um, I try to do that but I have to say I fail at it because I, honestly if it were my children I would be so much more passionate but I try to keep that passion and you know the Holy Spirit he enables us he emboldens us he empowers us but he also he doesn't let us get comfortable and I can hear him every once in a while say Joe you're getting comfortable you're in your bubble but I want you to come back, come back to the game, come back to, um, you know, helping these children out there, like you said, as if they were your, your own. And so my time at Wheaton College taught me to go after the, the root causes of injustices in our world. So I like to work in human trafficking on the demand side. There's a, de and that's, uh, that's in the prevention side. I think if you can prevent trafficking, you'll eventually knock it out of our world. Um, and it's, it's kind of like knocking the legs from under the, the beast. So in human trafficking, it's an industry, right? And it has supply and demand. And so the supply is traffic victims. And so you've got to have the demand to have the supply, right? So one of the, one of the biggest contributors to human trafficking is pornography. And so pornography fuels trafficking because, you know, men who get addicted to pornography or watch pornography, next thing they want to do is go experience what they're seeing, and so they'll buy a prostitute. So if you can take down pornography, and just so you know, most of the women who are trafficked are, are, are prostitutes are trafficked, and most of the women who are in pornography are also trafficked victims. So... I work, that's what I do at Life 107. I help free men from pornography addiction. And so if I have to answer your question, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm almost done. The, the fuel that I get from the Holy Spirit is, is a passion, and it's built on two foundations, love and anger. I have a love for children. I want to I help rescue them and, and protect them like my own children. But I'm also angry at the human trafficking industry and the pornography industry because they trap these people, and they trap children and men and women in their webs. So my fuel comes from a passion of anger and love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And
And finally, Scott, last question. Um, we would love to hear how the Holy Spirit has empowered you to make all the adjustments necessary to a culture so different from our own, and then just when you were getting settled in, to adjust to a different assignment um, with story weavers. Um, how has the Holy Spirit given you the power to adapt and adjust? Um, well, I think a lot of it um, comes from what some of the people have been saying about, well, learning to depend on the Holy Spirit and learning to hear his voice. And I'm not great at that, but God um, had to start speaking to me about going into missions for many years prior to prepare me because I had so many struggles and doubts and fears, and I wanted to go, but I you know, had all these questions. And, and the Holy Spirit just kept over, you know, over years, time and time again, just saying, put the next foot in front of you, you know, just trust me, I'm with you. I've got this. It's not about what you can do. It's about what I'm going to do. And so through many things, God finally got me to Nigeria. And it was, it was really, truly amazing to me. And so I learned to trust him. I learned to realize he can handle whatever life or the enemy throws our way. And so two years into that assignment, I was hoping to stay at until I retired. I my family needed me to come back and help look after my mom, and so that was a huge shift I had to make. Um, I also did, you know, go to Dallas for a couple of semesters and take some really important classes, one of which was about how to adapt to a new culture. So I did get some classroom training about that, but still, you, you have to go through the experience and deal with it when it happens. And so based on all the things that the Holy Spirit had done in my life getting me there, I knew that he was involved in this. I knew he had a plan, even if I didn't understand what it was at that moment. And so, before I even came back from Nigeria, I'd become friends with Ed, Ed Beach before I'd even left, and he was my contact with the missions committee. And so he started talking to me and saying, hey, would you be interested in working with story weavers when you get back? Um, and you could work from home and look after your mom and, and stay in scripture engagement. And so he got it worked out with Wycliffe for me to work with story weavers. And so God, again, you know, he had it all mapped out before I even knew what was going on. So it's just been a process of learning to trust that he's going to be present with me no matter what happens. Amen. Thank you. Well, in the interest of time, we need to wrap it up for now. I don't know about you, but for me, that was just a teaser. There are so many more questions I'd like to ask. Um, and you can find out more about these folks and their ministries on the Global Missions section of the Grace Mills River website. And also, you can join us today after the service for lunch at White Duck Taco in Hendersonville, where you'll have a chance to sit and chat and ask more questions. Um, thank you all for sharing how the Holy Spirit has been at work in and through you and through the ministries that you work with. Um, it's a privilege for our church family to partner with you in all that you do. Um, so let's thank the panel one more time for being up here today.